Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. All right, everyone, this is Felicia, and I am going to start us out with a high five. Um, And that is just so dang cute to watch your kids really like something. (laughs) Um, My opinion on extracurricular activities when kids are little is if you're not like really wanting to do it, we're not doing it. Like I'm not like signing you up for soccer and like coercing you to play when you're like three. So for my kids, I kind of honestly with Cohen, my oldest, you know, he would be like, sure, I want to play. And then, you know, after one season, it was like, he wasn't really into it of whatever sort of extracurricular we were doing, even with like skiing, he was just like, fine with skiing, but wasn't like, I want to do this so much until this year. So he's seven. So like his seven year old year, I had like a slight like mourning over him, probably not like wanting to play sports. I just kind of thought, nah, he doesn't really care about him. And I love sports. So I was kind of sad. Um, but this year, I don't know what happened. There's a fire inside. It is burning. <laughs> He's like obsessively into every sport. So let's, I'm sure I'll be back with a face palm of how it's too much. But for right now, it's cute. And it's just so fun to watch him um, love it. And there's no, it's like, mom, I'll be outside shooting hoops, whatever. It's just cute to see them like what they like and get into it. So that's my high five. Oh, that is so fun. That's like fun to think about because that's a little bit far away from me right now. So that's really cute. Slash Emmett's already obsessed with Well, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Emmett is obsessed with any kind of ball. Yeah, that's true. So I guess I'm not that This will be an early love. And yeah. it is adorable. He thinks, what do you say? He always thinks in prayers, thanks for Papa, our dad, and balls. Yeah. And balls. Yeah, that like pretty much makes about every prayer. He's kind of, yeah, it's really cute. Yeah, it's so cute. And as soon as he comes over to my house, that's his first thing. Ball, ball, ball. Yeah. Where's the balls? Yeah, he knows like at every house that we frequent. So like Felicia, Terilyn, you know, my parents, everybody's house, he like knows where the balls are. And then he will like gather them up and yeah, yeah. He's got a, well, that is fun to see what your kids get into. I love it. Well, my high five just goes to all three of our husbands who (laughs) my husband added up the other day that with our, cause we've surpassed a million listens. And if you like do averages of times, how much like our voice has been out there in the world. And it's like, 114 years. Like if you added it all up back to back, which is insane. But it got me thinking of all the time we have spent just like with our 545 or 530 meetings in the morning. I mean, it usually takes us 
at least it's like two to three hours each time that we're together, like planning, recording for each episode. So each episode takes about, you know, at least usually two and a half hours, sometimes three hours. And so if you add up all those hours, that's a lot of hours because I think we're on our 176th episode. So that's a lot of hours. And for us, I mean, for part of this, our kids are sleeping. But then when we started this podcast, I think I was homeschooling my kids. So it was fine. They were just at home. But for the last two years, they have been going to school in the morning, which is quite a lot of effort to get everybody ready for school that everybody's doing, you know, they're feeling confident about the day they're fed, all that stuff. And our husbands, all three of our husbands have taken over for us for now many, 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 many mornings getting kids ready for school before they have their own jobs that they go to, to provide for our families, which is amazing. So I just want to give a little high five to all three husbands for having really thriving careers of their own while also still supporting us a ton with ours. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Big high fives to that. Yeah. Cause we couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, we couldn't do this if, <laughs> if we were just like by ourselves. So anyway. Yeah. It takes a team for sure. No, I agree. Um, okay. Mine is also high five just to Easter egg hunts. We just came off of Easter weekend and I think we had in Emmett with Emmett had four different, um, like Easter egg hunts throughout the weekend, which was kind of crazy, but it was so fun. And I think by the last one, he actually kind of got what was going a little bit more. <laughs> Cause I think at first he was just like, all right, like whatever. The first one we went to, I have never actually been to a community Easter egg hunt. The only ones that I've ever been to are more family ones. And so my mother-in-law had invited us to one in like our hometown where we live. They were doing a free one. And I was like, cool, that'll be fun. So we went and it's so funny because so as soon as it started, like it started, they just like honked a car horn in this big park and then like all the kids went off and they had bagpipes playing. It was literal mayhem. It was so fun. But yeah, the bagpipes like added a whole other dimension of just craziness. Oh my gosh, I but love then, that. Yeah, it was awesome. But it was so funny because I found myself, I actually, again, they say parenthood teaches you a lot about yourself. <laughs> I did learn that I have like a little bit of a competitive spirit in these and like <laughs> Emmett's two, right? Or I mean, I guess he's almost three. And he's just like picking up one egg, looking at it, wants to open it right then. And I'm like, go like I'm like come on like let's get them you know what I mean like but so gently I was like oh let's like we can open them later put them in the basket we'll keep going but then after like and I'm like picking up a couple eggs like putting them in the basket because I don't in my mind then all of a sudden I'm like what am I doing like there's a bunch of other toddlers in here and I'm like picking up eggs for my kid and putting it in the basket I really had to like take a step back and be like it is okay this is not about me <laughs> it's about him. Like it's all right. But it was weird. I like found myself like filling this competitive spirit with with a bunch of other kids for this Easter egg hunt. And we were in the toddler realm. So it's not like we're in there with other kids that are like seven and eight. It's like all of them are below the age of four. So anyway, it was it was really fun and also kind of hilarious to learn a little something about myself in those situations. <laughs> You're like my dad. I love it. Yeah. You. Yeah, no, totally. Oh, anyway, so it was good. We went to a family thing, all of us, with our extended family on Saturday. And we were trying to say, like, let's just let our kids be together. Like, my older kids, they just want to see Liam, you know, my younger one. 
like the older two just want to watch the younger ones. And my dad was like, <laughs> no, no, no. They're not going to get the right amount of eggs though if they go to a different like age. And I'm like, well, I don't really care if they get eggs. Like, <laughs> and he's like, well, no, like the experience is you've got to get as many eggs as you can get. <laughs> it was really cute. So, you know, they split up and it was great. And they had a great experience, but it was hilarious. It's adorable. So speaking of that, we're, we're going to be doing some questions that are, you know, things we think about as parents that we want to talk with other parents or moms about. And that is an interesting thing that you bring up. The, uh, candy after holidays what is this thing of the plastic bag floating around the house eating a piece every two minutes I hate it (laughs) what is this thing I just took them all I took them all and I put them up high in the pantry and I hope they forget they're driving me nuts (laughs) no that is an interesting point I am interested because I don't feel like I'm quite there honestly I feel like and it kind of forgot about it. And luckily, like, we put it away and then he forgot about it. So, but he's at a young enough age where it's like, he doesn't really ask for it. We haven't seen it. But but even just the weekend that there was a lot of candy, I was like, man, like, I don't know. We just don't have candy just sitting out mm-hmm. all the time. So it was kind of like a little wild because I don't like him to just – maybe I am kind of a little bit strict – I don't like him to eat candy like in my living room. Like he's got to eat it in the kitchen because like I don't like the sticky fingers everywhere. Like I don't want the sticky mouth. So like if he eats it, it's got to be in there. And then so if he has a big thing of candy, he's just like munching on this candy. And I anyway. And I so I actually do want to be like at like we have like a treat time and a dessert time. And if you want to choose your Easter candy for that, but I don't kind of want it to be like a nibbling throughout the day. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, totally. And the sheer quantity, I. It's, we have a big giant, I got out a big giant treat bowl and I'm like, everybody empty your treats into the big treat bowl. Cause it's so much. And then I still had, there was still like a box. I mean like still bags of Easter candy just, and again, this isn't, this is just like coming in. Like it just comes it from all directions <laughs> and yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Um, Cohen though told me in carpool yesterday that you have offered to buy him a Lego set if he's willing to put away his Easter, like give up his Easter candy. And I'm like, that's smart. And it's funny because Savannah was like, I will pay. She's like, I would give away all my Easter candy if you pay me a dollar per candy bar. So I have like a hundred, so like a hundred bucks. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. This is not a negotiation. You guys, this is a good, this is a good place I've got myself in because I have friends who do this with Halloween and they call it a witch Mm -hmm. switch. And I've always thought that was going to be cute, but then Halloween actually, my kids, I don't know if it's like, cause they have to go from house to house. They're not at the ages where they're getting like so much. Like it's almost like on that night, they kind of eat the ones they like. And then maybe for a couple days it's lingering, but not that big of a deal. Cause it's like, yeah, uh, they have to and go. I just throw it away. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Or after a little while, not the first day, but like it just <laughs> fades on its own. Yeah. <laughs> but this time I was seriously like, this is maddening. Like, this is insane. And they're like asking for their bags. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to try out a little bunny switch. So yesterday, so I introduced this and I'm like, you know, for a a small Lego set or whatever. And they're all like on board. So then yesterday I had to go to the store and Sonny was the only one with me. So he's four. He finds a $2, $2 little like car. And he's like, I'm giving you all my candy for this car. Like, obsessed and I'm like 
Yes, I have made the right choice. So traded, the boys won't be that easy. They'll be way more particular. And I'll report back. <laughs> Let us that. know how it goes. Because yeah, it's just annoying. And the rappers and the, yeah, I'm with you. So we'll see. It could be, I, I was going to tell you guys after I reported back, because I'm not sure. It is a principle that I'm not 100% sure I'm in love with because it's like, you already have these things that were kind of like gifts in a way. And this, they're like not really worth money. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. kind of a weird yeah. like principle. Not exactly sure that I'm 100% thinking it's a good idea, but I'll let you guys know. Okay. Report back. I like I'll it. Report back. I also like that you admitted that because sometimes I feel like that too. I'm like, I don't know if I'm fully yeah. like in my emotional, like if I'm like totally in, but we're going to see, yeah. we're going to see how it goes. I'm desperate. Um, okay. Well that kind of, that does segue in nicely into what we're going to do today. We're kind of going to start something. We're calling it park chats because the idea behind it is, is we all actually do get together outside of this podcast and we usually go to a park. We're all chatting with our kids and you guys probably have this too to in some form where it's like you go to the park with your friend, your mom friends or your parent friends. And, um, we all just are like going through different like situations or stages in life or different like experiences with your kids where it's like, I haven't experienced this yet. Have you guys seen this? What are you doing for it? And I really love it with you two because you guys are older than me. You have kids that are older than me. So you've seen some form of what I'm going through, <laughs> at least with one of your kids. So it's really nice. So today we're kind of, I had a few different questions that I actually have for things going on in my stage of life that I wanted to talk with both of you about. And the nice thing is, is that a lot of these things, because we were kind of scanning through different listener questions that you guys, our listeners have. and. Um, there's a lot of common themes that actually really resonate with same, same questions that I have going on. So that's kind of what we're doing today is this park chat, just like you're getting together with us and we're going to kind of parse out some things that specifically that I have questions on right now. So with that, should we just dive right in? Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, sweet. Um, and just to be clear, we have not talked about these before. So this is really just kind of like our raw thoughts on all of this. But so the first kind of question that I've been having recently is um, Emmett is kind of at the age where, and I know that every kid kind of goes through this differently, like goes through this at a different time, but he's definitely in an age where he's like, I feel like before he didn't really care if I, if I dressed him, did things for him or not. And I feel like I was like, okay, I want him to learn, you know, I want him to learn some of these skills of like how to put on a shirt, how to like put on your shoes, tie them. Because especially then when having a baby come, it's a lot to like get out the door. And so I feel like over the time I've been trying to teach him those skills, but then I feel like I've kind of hit this like middle point where it's like, I want him to be able to learn it by himself. But also I feel like some of those things, I, I feel like I'm specifically referring to getting ready to like for the day. Then it's like, we all know that kids have, have a hard time with transitions. So like getting out the door, they tend to linger and like find, you know, it just like takes longer, which I know. So then I have this hard time of finding this balance of like, for instance, I'm like, now I do just try to like get him ready. Cause I used to like not get him ready until after breakfast. Cause it would just get messy anyway. And so 
I would get him ready. But now it's like, as soon as he gets up, I'm like, okay, we're getting on our clothes. Cause then otherwise, if I try to get him ready before we're going to go somewhere, it just makes the process exceedingly long. I end up feeling kind of irritated by the end of it. Cause I'm like, we are getting out the door. And I know that he can feel the rush feeling, which I almost feel like makes him stall for longer, <laughs> even if it's somewhere we want to go, like we're going to the park or something. It's like, for whatever reason. And then it's like, he wants to do it by himself. He's like, I want to put it on. I want to do this. Or so then, so where I'm going with this is sometimes I, I'm having a hard time finding this balance of like, okay, I'm going to let you do this for yourself. Cause I want you to be able to learn how to like put on your shoes, but then also then like finding the line of then me just doing it for him. Cause then sometimes it feels like, I almost wonder if I've like given him too much, like, where I'm like, okay, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? But then he'll be like, I'll do it. But then it takes forever. And if we're going somewhere, even if I give myself the extra time, I'm like, okay, well, it's going to take me 25 minutes to get out the door. It still feels like, then I'm still like kind of frustrated at the end because it's like, then I am just like pulling on the shoes really quick and like trying to get out the door. And then he ends up maybe crying because he wanted to do it. And it's like this whole then it, I don't know. Have you guys seen this? <laughs> like, what do you do to find the balance between, <laughs> what do you do to find the balance between them doing it on their own? I want them to learn this skill, but then also just like, okay, I'm going to do it. And like, we're moving forward. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I have many thoughts. I'm sure Terlyn does. Cause when you're like, have you seen this? Yes. I'm sure all the people with the children have felt this. Like, <laughs> Um, and I just like my first thing I would say is you'll probably only experience this exact feeling on your first because okay. all of a sudden on like <clears throat> subsequent kids, it was all of a sudden they like came out of their room dressed one day. Like it's weird how like when you're not staring at them 24 seven, they teach themselves stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. When did you learn how to do that? Well, I was over here like, like, you'll start to see this now that you have Will, you'll be like, oh, whoa, you can put on your shoes now, you know? So like, mm-hmm. that like feeling, I feel like I felt it so much with Cohen and what you're saying with the, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? I know that that's like a thing that people say helps, but I never experienced it that helping me that much. <laughs> I <laughs> I would always kind of be like either I just either put the shoes on without saying anything or like just bring them into the car. That's a move I would do a lot because mm-hmm. it tended to be like a thing. So it's just like mm-hmm. I just bring the shoes in the car and when they're really excited to get out and play, I'll put them on or let them put them on because it's like not a struggle point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know, Terlyn, did you like the – do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? Did that work with your kids very good? Very well? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. It is worse on the first. I mean, I experienced little bits of that with my other ones. But I mean, my my last, like when you were saying that, I was having to reach back in my memory because with Liam, I don't think I've really ever experienced that with my fourth. So there is definitely, there is a birth order thing here that it is, I think, worse with your first. But that doesn't mean to say you won't experience it with all of your kids a little bit because, of course, with all children, you're balancing the independence versus doing stuff for them, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have a little bit of this. So that's why I think it's such a great question is because it really applies in a lot of different areas. But this specific pain point, I think, is extra strong uh, with your first. So for me, yeah. giving the choice of do you want to do it by yourself or not, 
for me, it's, when it comes to getting ready, just adds one more thing that they're like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. They're adding. So, so for me, what that would look like is with, so I'm, I'm, you know, picturing Emmett. For me, I just, with my kids, if you just do the, like, you, you're just transitioning from babies to toddlers, right? So you're, you're putting on their shirts when they're babies and you're saying, I'm putting your head through. Okay, now I'm going to put your left arm through. And even babies will. I mean, so how old is Will? Seven months? Yeah. I was just putting on his jacket from at the Easter egg hunt. And it was so cute. Like I was saying, okay, I'm going to put your right arm through. And then when I came to the left arm, I mean, he's like helping me, right? Like he's a little Mm -hmm. tiny baby and he's like trying to help me put his arm through. It's adorable. Mm -hmm. So instead of, it's either like an all or nothing, it could be more of like a, okay, here's your shirt, you know, and, and, and depending on the kid, I do think when they start getting bigger, giving them autonomy to choose. I mean, cause decisions are a good thing for them. So I'm not saying that giving them the choice of do you want to do it by yourself or me is bad if it's working for you. It just, that specific choice didn't oftentimes work for me. But I mean, I did oftentimes give them the choice of do you want the red shirt or the blue shirt, you know, and that's mm-hmm. easy for them to choose. So they're still feeling autonomy, but for me, it was more like a, okay, I'm helping you. And then slowly, slowly, they're just doing it more on their own. But when it comes down to the push of, I want to do it by myself, and they're taking forever, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the right way. But for me, it's, I give them some time, you know, like, okay, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to try it on your own. And then if it, if it doesn't work, then I'm going to help you. And for me, Mm -hmm. oftentimes that did still lead them being a little unhappy, right? Because either get it and they're excited or they're not getting it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to help you now. And then as soon as you start helping them, but for me at that point, it's not a choice. It's a, okay. And you know, you're trying not to be rushed, obviously, because you're trying to give yourself enough time. But if you guys know me well enough, you know, that doesn't happen for me (laughs) often. So, I mean, so I'm trying not to actually act rushed at all, but you know, there is a time where it's like, okay, the shirt needs to come on now. So I'm going to, I'm going to help you. And then I help them. And again, this isn't out of anger or like frustration. It's just like, I'm going to help you. But they do get upset, right? Because it's like, well, I wanted to do it by myself. And now you're doing it for me. And they're not happy about it. So the unfortunate thing about that situation is you do have to accept some sad emotions. But Mm -hmm. I do like giving them the chance, you know, if they're wanting to, because it sounds like he's, sounds like he's leading that he wants to. So Mm -hmm. I think the key with that is just the time, not before you leave at all. And I know you already said that, but I mean, for me, that would look like a half an hour before you go anywhere when it's not the point. It's like just way ahead of time and he can try getting dressed himself. I think that's great. But if it's before, I mean, we've all seen toddlers can feel it. Well, everybody can feel it, but toddlers, they feel, whoa, we got to go here. I got to slow it down because <laughs> it's power, right? There's like a lot of power, not even power not just power. It's, I feel it. I feel resistance when people start rushing me. I mean, even my own kids when they're like, Hey, we got to go. And I'm like, dude, it's 20 minutes. Like, and I feel myself wanting to slow down. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's natural, but what Felicia said, I just want to add onto that. So there are certain things you can't do till right before. Right. And those are things like shoes. Cause like for me, we don't wear shoes in our house. So of course, right. We got to get our shoes and shoes can take forever for a toddler. I mean, oh my gosh, it can be so annoying. So for me, I, what Felicia just said, I can't, I usually do that still with my kids. They can either put them on in our garage because our shoes stay in our garage 
or bring your shoes with you. And then Emma can take 20 minutes at the park putting on his shoes if he wants to, right? But you're already at the park, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say a couple things. One, time. Time ahead of time. Like make it not time to go. Two, if you're having a hard time giving him the choice, do it or not do it. Just eliminate that choice altogether. And if he's wanting to do it himself, then give him the chance. But then just be okay with his negative emotions when you need to finish it for him. And then the third is where can you cut down on that power struggle with things like just bring your shoes and take your time at the park, putting them on or, but to the store that doesn't work. So that would look like, okay, I, you know, you get to try putting them on and then in a minute I'm going to put them on and, you know, give them a chance where you're like getting well together. And then the, but I don't, I don't know if there is a way around them being sad when you actually reach in and just do it for them. Yeah. And cause I mean, and it will get better. I just, it will get better. Like on your third kid, they will just all of a sudden put on their shoes and you're like, oh, that wasn't even a thing. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. And and having it be the first kid, because it's true, you do do so much for the first kid simply because I had the hands to. And then when the baby comes along, it's like, then I started to be like, you know, it would be nice if he could, <laughs> it would be nice if he could actually put on his shoes or, or like get in his car seat by himself and put on the buckle. Like that was something that I feel like we've been working on. That's like another thing. Cause then it's like, I do have to put Will in his car seat And so it would be nice if he would just get in his car seat and buckle himself in. And he can. Like, I know he can actually physically do it now because he does do it sometimes. But then that becomes, like, another thing. And if I can, I'll try to do him first before Will. But sometimes that just, like, doesn't work because then that leaves me setting Will down. And anyway, sometimes it's just easier for me to – anyway. So then – the car seat sometimes becomes another thing where then it's like he's like running around in the driveway and then I'm like, just get in the car. Like we're going. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't, I don't feel like, I just feel like then by the time he's like, no, but I wanted to run in the sun. And then, you know, like he has this whole stalling tactic of like Mm -hmm. things that he wanted to do. So then when I finally put him in, then he does, he's like crying and I'm like, okay, well I gave you the chance and here we go. So anyway, but that makes sense. I think sometimes I think you guys have pointed out something good is that like the decision fatigue for toddlers where it's like, I think maybe I have given him maybe a little bit too much decisions when I could just be like, okay, now I'm going to do this. So for those things where maybe I want him to learn a skill, I could just do it when it's not time to leave. Like just let him take his time, but not when it's like we're getting out the door. Yeah. And your, and your reasoning behind that though, I mean, I applaud you because we talk so much about, you do give them choices where you can, right? Because they're, it's an important part of becoming independent. I think sometimes we can just make it so, yeah, then it turns into decision fatigue and it turns into a thing. But I do want to just say that I had one place where it does really work for me. So Liam is five. My youngest is five. So you'd think I wouldn't have this issue anymore. But with him, I have noticed if I just say, hey, we're leaving in 10 minutes, uh, go get dressed and grab your shoes, nothing happens. I don't – like. I, I literally, like, I go get dressed, I come out, and he's just still walking around in his pajamas. And I'm like, hey, hey, I thought, you know, like, in my mind, yeah, I'm like, remember I thought we were past this. <laughs> yeah. Like, remember, you were going to get dressed, I was going to get dressed, we are going to meet here together because you're not too. So this seems like it would be a logical thing. However, so even with him, and with him, I actually do give him the choice. And it makes a huge difference. I'll say, uh, hey, do you want to pick out, like, do you want to go get your clothes or do you want me to go get your clothes with you? And he'll say, sometimes he's like, it's weird. Once he chooses, like, no, I want to go get him. Then he does. It's crazy. But if he says, no, I want you to come help me. Then I walk up with him. We pick out his clothes together. And then 
And then, I mean, he's big enough. He can put on his own clothes. But there are times, I mean, there are totally times when it's like, I just know in my head that I don't want it to take 10 minutes. So I don't even ask him. I just say, I just start talking to him, you know, like, how are you, you know, I'm so excited about where we're going. And as we're talking, I'm just kind of like putting it on him. But I only, you know, I probably only do that maybe once a week or so because, and it's just because I know in my mind, I don't want to wait another extra. Yeah. I don't want to feel rushed. So I'm just going to do this as we chat, you know? And so it's not even a power issue because I just know that's how much time we have. So I'm going to help him. But that is just, I'm just, I'm just noting that that is one time for me where I have noticed that it is helpful for him. Like, are you doing this? You know, are you going to go get your clothes? Do you want to, or do you want me to come help you pick out your clothes? And it's amazing. Just him owning it and saying, oh yeah, I'll go get him. Then he does. Cause yeah. so many times where I'm like, hmm, I thought you said you were going to get ready and I was going to get ready, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's like when I say, Hey guys, clean this up. And then I walk out of the room. I don't know what happens. But. Yeah. <laughs> so this is bringing but up if- something interesting though, is <clears throat> like, it's a different situation when they're young then as they start to get older where you're literally like am I now gonna save them from the situation that they put themselves in by not doing the thing that they know they're supposed to do or they're asked to do mm-hmm. so like how does this transition so say for instance Lenny he's in kindergarten he has this school folder and um you know, there are multiple days where, I mean, he's in kindergarten, so it doesn't actually matter. It's not like this big consequence, but where it's like, that's where the folder is put in your backpack when you leave to to school. But he's just like messing around. And then he comes home and he's like, mom, I need my folder. I'm like, perfect. It's right on the counter. Put it in your backpack. I can put it in his backpack, but it's like almost in my mind, I'm doing this like, but I need him to, to learn this. So I think that's interesting because when they're toddlers, do we, you know, fold in those moments of like, you get to the park and you don't have shoes on. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, when do we let them experience? We've read a book called How to Raise an Adult. And she argues way more towards that, where you're letting them have their consequences. Um, Mm -hmm. I choose not to let them have consequences when it affects me (laughs) and my situation. Like if we're going to get to the park and it's bark chips, so they're not even going to want to play. That's really annoying for me. So I'll grab the shoes, but I think we can't, I think you can fold in those situations. Terrilyn, your kids, you probably experience this a lot with your ages. And our lack of shoes. (laughs) Also, <laughs> I mean, I don't wear shoes half the place we go. So yeah, for me, and I can't remember what book I read this in, but for me, it, it all comes down to, for me, yeah, I actually never force my kids to wear coats, but I never give them the option of just not bringing it at all if we're going somewhere together. So for example, you know, it's, hey, do you want to just toss the coat in the car or do you want to wear it? And oftentimes they're like, oh, no, nah, I just want to bring it instead. And so to me, that's not even a power issue at all. I don't mind grabbing the coat and bringing it. And eventually they do want it. And then they look for it themselves and put it on, right? But same thing with shoes. But I'm experiencing that right now, even with school. Like my uh, my eight-year-old, he is convinced some days he does not need a coat to school. And But I can't. I actually can't. Like, it isn't like I'm there with my car. Mm-hmm. So there's been a few days where I'm like, okay, just, you know, make sure you go outside and feel it. And he'll go outside and be like, yeah, I don't need it. And 
he owns that decision and and so far it hasn't backfired on him. <laughs> but yeah, there are times where where there is a balance. What is that balance of letting them have the consequences of their own thing? Or just for me, sometimes it's just a matter of changing the options just a little bit. So it's not this power struggle where you're forcing the code on them because you think it's too cold. It's just slightly changing it to, okay, well, you know what? Let's just bring it. You know, it's just fine. If it's there, if you change your mind, it's there. And I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. But to me, that isn't like a helicopter, like, oh, I will make so that you don't Don't have the consequences of your bad decisions. It's just like a making like a, okay, yeah, you don't want to wear it. Cool. Well, I'm going to throw mine in the car too. So, so that, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think that's too much though? I'm not sure. I think, so I, that's exactly what I do with, with coats, like that situation. I, I can sense some like, so say with like sports gear, I make them put it all in a place that they know and I make them get it for their games. But it will be sometimes where it's like, you know, they can't find it and they're like floundering. And it's like, I, I could get it, but I want them to learn this principle. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, that, that actually is a way big deal for me because I don't want to be the one hunting up shin guards every time. Yeah. So they each have their own bag of soccer stuff and they're in charge of making sure it goes back. And I, you know, I'll say, Hey, remember when you take it off, put it directly in your bag on your shelf. And there are times where they can't find it. Now they're just to be clear. I'm usually not like, Oh, well, I don't care. You're on your own. Cause if they really can't find it, then obviously our whole family will help them. Right. But for the most part, I don't gather it for them. And and usually they're the one who finds it by themselves. Like I actually can't think of the last time I've gone hunting for sports stuff, but I've seen them hunt a lot. You know what I mean? And they learned that like, oh man, I really didn't like it there. I want it back in the bag where, where our system is in place. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important because yeah, that's exhausting. Trust me. I have four kids now in soccer, four, four mm-hmm. children in soccer. And if I was managing all their gear for them, that's exhausting. It's just enough. It comes to our laundry. Like that's a lot. Right. So right. But yeah, their gear, I think that's really important to let them, give them the opportunity to keep track of their own stuff. And that happens with backpacks. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. school folders, mm-hmm. backpacks, they'll leave it in a car. And then I could just go get it for them in the car. But I say, you know, where is it? Okay, let's think about it. So you left it in the car. How can we make it easier tomorrow? You know, where could you, could you hang it in your hook? That's four backpacks instead. I don't know, mm-hmm. just an option. <laughs> but they still, you know, like my son, he still leaves it in the car all the time. I get But he also doesn't have homework it. anymore. So yeah. he doesn't have homework yet. So my other girl, my girls, that never happens with because they're in charge of their own homework. I get this, like, I think I have this weird, um, like, past, like, layering with it because growing up, my mom was never, like, she didn't, like, get us ready for any of these sort of things. And so I feel mm-hmm. like I was, like, my brother and I both were, like, just learned that personal responsibility really early Uh because we had to and like I don't even so there's like this little trigger inside me where when they're like where's my folder it's like I don't even want to answer the question for you of where's your folder that Mm. in itself is it's I'm sounding dramatic but like you're giving me an emotional burden that is not for me like my my brain's already (laughs) full of a lot of stuff that I'm managing for a lot of people and I have it with Parker too like when he's like where's my tan hat? It's like, don't ask me where your tan hat is. It's your tan hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, And I think it's because of how I was raised where it's like, I had to have, I faced those consequences because of my own, like I had my own personal responsibility 
So mm. kind of inside, I'm like, I know you can handle that situation by yourself. So I feel like I'm yeah. more with it. Like, mm. I don't want to hold your hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a trigger of mine that I need yeah. to like figure out because I don't, I don't, when I'm saying that mm. now, I don't necessarily, I think there's like this range of, of how helpful and supportive you want to be. And there's, there's not like a right number on this range to be, but I think it's the, in the deciding at what number on the scale can I be kind and supportive and not Mm -hmm. triggered and like be in that spot when they're, instead of like getting annoyed, you know? Like whatever you want to be, just be it. Don't be helpful with an underlying annoyance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, cause what you're saying is you have, that's a positive motivation to want your kids to be independent. Cause what I hear you saying is that for you, you learned an, a good skill by being independent and being self-reliant, but it also sounds like to you, there was a little bit of pain there as well because you maybe wanted a little more support. Right. So are you trying to say how to balance the, teaching your children that self-reliance while also still being supportive and making them not feel like they're just totally on their own. Cause you probably don't want that for them either. Right. Is that what you're saying? Like finding that space. I didn't feel any like pain with that um, specific thing. So like, I think I more feel with this is like, I know my opinion is I know they can do all these things without asking me. Mm, yeah. without even asking because I know they can you know that feeling of like mm-hmm. I know you can do this without any of my assistance but it's hard because I it differently than how I was brought up I am right there yeah do you know what I mean yeah. so you don't want to be like ignoring them mm-hmm. which kind of leads right. us into Kaylin's question yeah the watching the mom yeah. watch mom watch no because it's well just a couple thoughts with this is it is interesting because this thing doesn't go away as they get older of figuring out that balance between letting them do something by themselves and maybe reap some of the natural consequences that come from it while still being there anyway and it's i yeah because it sounds like just really quickly with that it sounds like some of the things that you're saying is Sometimes it's good to like set in place an infrastructure, which it sounds like you guys have done, like say with the sports stuff, it's like helping them build that infrastructure together. So it's like, okay, this is where your sports stuff is. This is where you can find it, like helping them come to that so that then like what we've talked about, you invest the time ahead of time so that then hopefully they are able to do it by themselves easier. And as they grow, they can also then make their own infrastructures of like, okay, when I'm a teenager and I'm, it's time to go to practice. I've already created, you know, I have my bag of stuff that I needed to do anyway. So this is interesting and it is interesting to find the line because obviously like as they grow, we are figuring out, we are kind of backing off. So it's just, I feel like it's the good thing about kids, but also the hard thing is that they are always changing. So it like keeps me on my toes. Like as soon as I've got it figured out, there's like something, I don't know. I'm like figuring out how to wean it off, but and it probably, can I, yeah, go, sorry. Oh no, go for it. I was going to say it probably there's a lot of it that <clears throat> is connected to our perception of what we should be doing or like what a good mom would do or what your like ideal and mm-hmm. which that always gets us in a sticky situation mm-hmm. when we have yeah. this, like, this is how it yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or what your mom did. If it's something that you're like, I, I want to do that. Like for you, where it was like, I, I want this personal responsibility. But if you had a mom who, I mean, I had a friend whose mom would like lay out, we were in junior high and she would like lay out her clothes the night before, pack all of her sports stuff for her. I mean, she was like a, like a manager, you know? Right. And, and I think that friend now, she feels like guilty when she's choosing different, you know, cause she's like, well, maybe this means I'm not a good mom, but it's not true. Of course, you know, teaching your kids independence is a really important skill, but so, you know, you're going to have a lot of different voices in your mind with this, but yeah. the thing that's coming to my mind when I picture those moments, cause it happens, you know, 15 times a day where a kid's <laughs> asking me, asking me for something, you know, and I'm doing something. And for me, the thing that's actually like pricking me right now is when I tell my kids something like, Hey, you know where your shin guards are. I'm not doing it in a, like I'm looking them in their eyes and saying, you know where they are. Or if you don't know where they are, you know where to look to find them, you know, whatever. Like I'm not giving them power. I'm like, as I'm like throwing dishes in the dishwasher being like, Hey, you know where they are. You know what I mean? Like this is up to you. Find it. Like it's not. So actually when I'm like, when you were talking about, I don't want the mental burden of it. Think how powerful it would be if you could, in those moments, actually like kneel down at their level and say, and I've actually seen you do this, Felicia, things like this, where you could kneel down and say, your sports stuff is your responsibility. And I know you can own this responsibility. Like I believe, like when you were saying that, I could feel it. Like you knew, like you can feel it in your heart. You have the confidence that they can manage it. So from a place of, I know you can manage this. So I'm like, I would actually prefer you just to own it and not even bring it up with me or how, whatever it looks like for you. But a conversation like that, like, I know you can do this. And I mean, what would that take? 10 seconds of actual attention time to give your kid, like, I believe in you, you can do this. And I know it's frustrating that you can't find it, but like, I know you can own this. And, and even, and this could be a really good time for a replay, right? At the end of the night, like, Hey, you couldn't find your shin guards today. That was really stressful, wasn't it? Let's talk about this. I really believe in you and we already have a system, but you know, let's redo it in our minds. If you're next time, when you come home from your game, where are you going to put your shin guards? I mean, that's a great opportunity for replays. But as we're talking, I'm realizing, I think I'm missing out on a lot of connection time and trying to pass off these lessons in a distracted way, right? Like as I'm doing something else, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't I say it like this, but they're getting the vibe of, how have you lost your shoes again? You know what I mean? But really, I mean, what would it take? Just a few seconds to actually stop what I'm doing, look down at them and say, you can't find your shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I want you to know that I want you to own this. Not, you know, just kind of explain what you're explaining, Felicia, but from a connected point of view, if we could just come back, that's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling. Cause if a few times of that guaranteed, it's not going to be every day that you're saying distract. Cause I feel like this is one of those situations you say a hundred times distractedly every day but just a little bit of connection or a few replays and you're going to cut down on that amount so much because your kids are going to know yeah. she believes in me. I own this yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to look everywhere before I ask her for help. You know what I mean? Not because she's not willing or because she's unkind or not supportive, but because I got this, you know, I don't yeah, know. So that's what I think. For me. Yeah. For me, just making it a little more connected instead of saying it distractedly 10 times. Yeah. You know, because like, again, yeah. it honestly comes up with me. This concept comes up with me many times a day. And I think I could be a little bit more connected and I think it actually cut down on the amount of bandwidth I'm putting on the conversations, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. That's good. 
And I think with that, um, like I think sometimes it feels – because we've all we've all had that where it's like you're rushing to do, you know, whatever or you're just busy doing whatever because as parents we do have a lot going on. That then it's just like, you know, over the shoulder like, yep, you can do it, whatever it is. Yeah. But like – and so sometimes it feels like we don't have the time or energy or space, like whatever it may be, to just like intentionally like focus for a second and say – but when you think about it, it's like it may only take 10 to 20 seconds. Maybe sometimes it takes a little longer and that might happen, you know, the when the day's done and you can talk to them about it. But sometimes it is maybe just a 10 to 20 second of like, I'm focused on you. Here's maybe what we can do. You're right. That's not going to happen every single time that moment comes up. It is going to shorten the time. So I think you bring up a really good point of like, again, investing some of the time now so that then in the future you're saving some time yeah. and energy for everybody. Um, okay. So that was awesome. Thank you guys. <laughs> and so another thing that I am going to delve into next is kind of this, the mom, I call it the mom watch phenomenon. Cause I feel like I'm just getting into this. And what that means for me is, I don't know if anybody listening is familiar with Johnson files there. He's like this hilarious guy who does like, he's like kind of a comedian and he does funny things he has an Instagram account and it's way funny. And if you guys don't follow him, it's a great one to follow, but he does do a whole spoof on like mom watch. And he does these hilarious things acting like he's a kid. And they're like the most ridiculous things, right? Like the kid like lays on the ground, like flat on their stomach. And then it's like, mom, watch this. And the mom's just like, cool. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. And that is, it's funny because when I first saw that, it was probably a year ago and, and it wasn't even verb, like, you know, he was not quite verbal at the time. So that wasn't even a thing, but of course we've all seen kids do that to their moms. And now I feel like I am kind of in that where Emmett will oftentimes like throughout the day be like, mom, watch. And if I am not, and sometimes I even am watching, but if I don't confirm, like I am watching you, he like will keep saying it until I watch him. Mm -hmm. And anyway, it sounds kind of, <laughs> it sounds kind of dumb, but at the same time I'm like, so I, I feel like, again, I am finding this I'm having a hard time knowing how to address it because at the same time, it's like I want to be present and I want him to feel like I'm there with him watching and that I care because I get that like maybe what matters to him isn't always going to matter a ton to me. Like for him to be able to do a somersault, that's really cool for him and I can experience that with him. But after like the fifth time, it's also like, all right, I'm done watching. Like I'm mm – -hmm. I don't really – so I think I'm having a hard time of being like, I want to be present and help him know that what matters to him matters to me. But then I also like, when is enough enough? And I think like this sounds dramatic, but also like, I don't want to like break his spirit and being like, Hey, you know what? Like, I'm not going to watch anymore. I, I don't know. I like, I don't know how to address that in a way that is like kind, respectful, compassionate, but also like being like, okay, I'm done watching now even if he still continues to ask me. Do you know what I mean? Totally. That's so common. And I have, as you were saying that, I have three out of my four children who say that all the time still. <laughs> so, <laughs> it does not really get better. <laughs> yeah. And even, I mean, even with my oldest, she still does it, but it's just not to the same extent, right? I mean, she, of course, everybody still wants to be seen and they have cool things they want to show you. But I mean, I've actually noticed with my five-year-old, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I'll be watching with my eyes, but then like, you know, say this happens all the time. Felicia or Caitlin are sitting there. They're talking to me. Like we're at the park. He's like, mom, watch. Okay. So I'm watching, but somebody's still talking. So he can tell my attention is not all the way there. He's like, no, yes. watch. Like, and I'm like, I know my eyes. And you're so yeah, watch with your, 
I want your heart and your ears and your eyes, not just your eyes. So yeah, isn't it? It's everybody wants to be seen. So this is a really, really good question. And for me, what it looks like is sometimes giving them full attention, trying to fill that bucket of, yes, I see you. And not over, for me, the trick actually is not over praising it. Like, oh yeah, you're so amazing. Good job. It's more, I just am observing and giving them like the feedback of things like positive praise, you know, like, um, you worked really hard at that or, Ooh, that's creative. I can tell you really thought about that picture, things like that. So that's actually the, where the energy comes for me is thinking of the way to say it without just over praising it, but actually giving them something that's going to help their mind, um, mm-hmm. which we can do in a whole nother. I actually want to do a whole nother episode on praise, but, um, so for me, that looks like sometimes giving him the full attention, like, oh, wow, like I really see you. But the hard thing for me is that I don't know the answer. If they're asking, I, I don't do that every time. I don't because sometimes yeah. I am right in the middle of something else. Right. And so I'll say, I can't watch right now. Or there are some times where it's a little distracted. And, and for me, that's just, I think I just accept that sometimes I'm really there and I try to make sure that sometimes I'm really giving them attention because I have noticed just like we were talking before, if you don't, and you're always like the, oh, I'm not watching, I'm not watching, I'm distracted. Then it gets worse. Like it like just makes it stronger. Right. Cause they're not yeah. getting any, they're not getting that need. So it just gets louder or it gets or it gets shut down altogether. And then, yeah, there's that really, then there's an underlying sadness, which is, I know, you know, I don't want that. So I try to give attention and try to fill that bucket. And then sometimes know that I, I can't watch the somersault. Like we're, we're now at a hundred times. So, I'm, <laughs> and, or there's something else and that's okay too, you know? So I, I'm not sure besides just to recognize that there's a balance there make sure you are giving full blown attention sometimes and know that sometimes you can't and that's okay. And I think yeah. it's like, I think, oh, sorry, Kaylin. I think there's like an element of it that <clears throat> is like they're practicing on their kid level. Like how do we communicate with people? And I think yeah. it's mm-hmm. an opportunity and I, I'll find the book and link that talks about this specific practice, but like of teaching your kids when I'm talking to another adult, I'm not going to, let you interrupt my sentence, even though with a little kid, it's really hard because it's like, it looks like you're slightly ignoring them or like putting your hand up and saying like, just a second. But like, I see it as a disservice to teach them that they can interrupt people when they're talking. So it like Mm -hmm. kind of gives me like, this is a teaching moment. Like I'm going to hold up my hand. And even though they're still saying mom, 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 mom. and, And this might have to not be the same conversation that it would be if it weren't uninterrupted. It's like, I, I want to teach you that just for one second, like you need to wait because somebody else is talking and yeah, like that might be making it more of a deal than it is. But I do think it's a good moment to like, which you're saying when you're home alone, he's doing this is different. I mean, it happens at, at either time. Right. Like sometimes I am with other adults and sometimes it's like me by myself, but I do notice yeah, I do notice sometimes it's like if, you know, I'm making dinner, I'm doing something, I am doing something else. And he's like, mom, watch. And sometimes I do watch. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. But then he keeps asking. And so then it's like, but I think hearing this though, I think I'm not even totally sure. It's like, I'm sure I've been there some of the time, but I think I probably could be more mindful of like, am I actually like paying attention and maybe watching for a second and then saying, okay, now I'm going to like keep emptying the dishwasher or whatever it is that I'm doing. 
and I'm not going to watch for like, I'm not going to watch and you can keep doing it. And I'm just going to be doing this. Like I could make sure in my mind, cause even looking back, I'm like, was I totally mind? You know, like I could probably be a little bit more mindful about that. And another thing that I actually really like that you said, Felicia, cause it, it, it happens to, and like the interrupting, like when you're talking to somebody for sure, like I've, you know, I think we've all experienced that. So, but I think you bring up a good point too, that it's like, we are also teaching them that like, I'll do the same thing with you. Like, so when I'm talking to another friend, I'm going to focus on them for a little bit. And again, it's like age appropriate because a two-year-old might have a harder time waiting for a really long time for me to come back to him. But like letting him know, like, I actually am going to focus on this friend for a little bit. And then, but I'm going to do the same thing for you. Like when you're telling me something, I'm not going to let like a sibling or anything else interrupt me while I'm like hearing this. So I think it's teaching that, that, it, that I'm going to give the same attention to both. And I think that is a service that we can give our kids. So I think yeah. you bring up a really good point. And I think they're connected. We're talking about something that's it's kind of the same. It's on a spectrum, right? It's just a different version of it. The watch me do a somersault and I want to tell you something. And I've actually read two. I can still remember it. It was like this really, I mean, I couldn't find it now. I don't think, but, and it was actually an article about the opposite of why we should let our kids interrupt us. And when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is compelling. This is very compelling. Because their whole point was like, we want our little kids to be able to be spontaneous and share what's in their heart and not have us be like, wait a minute. But what I found is that comes up so much. And in the long scheme of things, how life is, is a balance of conversation. And in my family right now, it's much less of the mom watch, although we still have that. Um, But with Mike, I mean, we have four kids. So at the dinner table, there is not a moment of silence and everybody wants to say something. And there have been times where it's like one person wants to say something, then we have to just do the, hold on, Parker's still, you know, Parker's still talking. But then the key is you have to make sure as soon as there's a break and that then it's important to say, okay, Savannah, you had something important to say. What was it? Because I think it's important to let them know what you have to say is really important. I just, we had to wait till they were done with their thought because that is something you have to practice in real life, right? But it doesn't mean that what you have to say isn't important, but it creates, just so you know, like even so with my 10-year-old, she sometimes will be like, okay, fine. I just want to say it at all. You know what I mean? And I'll have to say over and over, like what you have to say is important. We just need to let her finish talking first. And the hard thing Mm -hmm. with my five-year-old is he forgets and then he's really sad about it. So Mm -hmm. he'll be like, but when it's his turn, he'll be like, I forgot what I was going to say. I mean, that happens to us probably once a day, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure the answer besides just in a loving way saying, I do care what you have to say. And I'm sorry that you forgot about it because, you know, he's sad about it. But I think to me, it's still not worth letting them override somebody else while they're talking. But the same, that, that it's like an exact same concept almost as the mom watch, yeah. because it may not be a conversation. Oftentimes it is, but it might be a task that you're doing that's important for you to finish. And so right. I think that's okay sometimes to say, sometimes I'm giving you, when you were talking, the thing that came to my mind is, so say they're going to ask you in an hour to watch something five times. If you really watch it once and then lovingly a few of the other times say, I'm going to finish this task or whatever, you know, your attention Mm -hmm. is somewhere else and they know it and they could or could be sad about it, could not be sad about it. That one Mm -hmm. time that you really watched, I think is actually going to do more than half watching it five times. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I think it's kind of one of those, one of those situations of full attention given sometimes makes so that when the times you're not going to give attention, you're going to be intentional and still loving about it. I think makes it so that that need can still be met. 
without yes. feeling like, cause the answer to this definitely isn't every single time ever drop what you're doing, no matter what, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. That would be exhausting for you. And the answer also isn't just distractedly just never watch and never give them attention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that quote. I think it's Magda Gerber, but I could be wrong where she says, yeah, something like half-hearted attention always like, or sorry, full-hearted attention sometimes is way better than half-hearted attention always. Cause then yes. it's like, they're never fully getting it full and you're not feeling it either. We've all been there where it's like, you're kind of half there. And that's, I think totally what we're talking about, whether it's mom watch or just interrupting every kid wants our attention and our awareness. And like, yeah, everybody wants to be seen in some way, and that in itself isn't bad. Yeah. And so when we are able to give it our full attention and then fully say, okay, I've seen that and then I'm going to now do this, even if they have sad feelings about it, it's still okay to like full-heartedly accept it and be okay yeah. with letting those feelings be. That's why the whole Rye method, which is Magda Gerber, Jenna Lansbury, respectful infant education, it's liberating to mm -hmm. me. The concept that, I mean, to me, this it's it doesn't mean that you have to literally be giving your baby attention every single second of the day. This, this quality one-on-one -on -one eye gazing, right? But mm -hmm. it means that when you, when you are doing that, you are doing it. Like you are connected, mm -hmm. you're changing that diaper and you're looking at them and you're talking in this loving voice. So it makes, so that when you do, when they are having their, what do they call it? Like it's so good for their brains where they're just laying there quietly. Um, they have another word um, for it. I can't remember what it is. I know what you're talking about. But like you can go do the dishes or read a book or do whatever and it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're constantly there just giving them this attention. You know what I mean? It, but it makes so that when you do give that attention, it allows so that they can be by themselves and you don't have to feel guilty about finishing the task. You know what I mean? Or again, it doesn't. we keep talking about tasks, but if you're doing anything that's important to you, it's okay mm -hmm. they're not getting everything from you right then because they did earlier and they will again because you're giving them yep. – when you're connecting, you are really, really connecting. I think that actually – that applies to everything we've talked about today. The mm -hmm. helping – even the attention of I know you can own this, you know, keeping track of your own shin guards thing. One good connected conversation is going to do way better than 10 times me across the room being like, you already – you're in charge of that. You know what I mean? Just like half distractedly mm -hmm. – giving it back to them it, it yeah. applies to this entire thing. I think maybe that's the theme of this park chat is when we connect, let's really connect, like really fill those buckets and then be okay yeah. with not. Um, and the, those other times allowing them to figure it out on their own because we have already given them lots of the connection, you know, it isn't yeah. just living our lives half distracted, throwing st information at them and not letting them, you know, like kind of watching them, half listening to them when they talk. Let's really, when they mm -hmm. talk, listen. When we're watching, really watch. When we're teaching them a lesson that we want to talk about their stuff, let's do it in a really connected way. And then those other times, be okay with letting them either be frustrated or not, but that's okay because we've done the connecting at other times. Does yeah. that make sense? I think there's yeah. also like, when you guys were talking, I was thinking how many times is my is my kid engrossed in something legos or something and i feel like that's one of my big things i try not to interrupt play for yeah. any yeah. reason unless it's like we have to we must interrupt this 
And so like just being mindful of it, cause there, there'll even be times when it's like, well, I, I have time right now to connect. So I'm going to interrupt this thing they're doing and like be a part of it. But I think it's like, or I really want them to get dressed, but they're engrossed in their thing. That's really not, I don't think, I don't see as important, but to them it is. So like, if we don't want them to interrupt us when we're doing a thing, being mindful that we're not interrupting them when they're doing their like kid situations. Yes. And what is their work? Play, imagination, conversations, whatever it is. I, as you were saying that, I totally felt a prick of guilt in the car. Like, yeah, when I'm talking, yeah, I'll be like, let's wait till somebody else is finished. But there are times when like little kids are talking and I'm like, I'm just going to tell them something. And I just, Hey guys, by the way, right. and I just throw it out there. Like what I have to say is more important, right? but that's not true. It's not true at all. Right. And you guys can hear my children are awake above us. If you can hear like ringing, <laughs> I thought somebody just knocked over a chair. So I Classic bar stool knockover. <laughs> yes. But I think that's a really good point. You just made Felicia. That is really, I think, and again, even yeah. babies, I think, I mean, Janet Lansbury, I've heard her say that like when they are quietly just gazing at the ceiling, don't interrupt that if you don't have to, right? right? It's important. Like they're doing their own brain work. So I think it's just respect that we're sending the, we're, we're trying to teach our children for us. It's also important for us to show that to them. And mm-hmm. to me, that means honoring their conversations and their play. And of course that doesn't mean, I mean, yeah, we have, if we have some more, we're going to go. I'm not going to be like, Hey, you just play for two more hours and we're just, right. <laughs> you know, but being aware of it, I think sometimes we do think yeah. that our stuff is just more important because we're adults. So but that's how people, that's how our children learn is by us modeling it and respecting them back. I love that. That's a really, really good point, Felicia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. And honestly, yeah, kind of what you talked about, that theme of like the full hearted attention, being present fully, because kind of my next thing. And I think um, just for like the last few minutes that we have was, and I know that we've done episodes on this, but transitioning from nap time to quiet time is something that I've been going through. And honestly, like some of the things that we've already talked about, I think that I can totally apply here in some ways. But um, I did just want to kind of get your guys' feelings on this because I know that this is kind of a struggle for everybody. But I went from nap time to going to quiet time. And I feel like it's now been a few months. And sometimes quiet time is great. Like sometimes he will just get lost in his play and it's really good. And he'll just like do it for a long time. And then I am able to kind of have my time to regroup, get things done that I need to get done, whatever it may be. But then there's been definitely some times where it's like, you know, he'll call for me a lot because I actually do try to like have it be in his room. So it's like secluded and he's doing his own thing. And I know that, Terrilyn, I know you've mentioned before that like after a little while, like you kind of let them go wherever they want, but it still is like the, the boundaries of quiet time. My problem is that if I do let him come out where I am, like if I'm doing podcast work or whatever it may be, he does continue to like ask me things or or ask me to watch things or ask me for help with something or whatever it may be because he knows that I'm there. And so I do prefer him to kind of be in his own space because then like I feel like that happens less, but it is hard if he continues to it's just, I am having a hard time finding, especially now with two kids, because the time that it overlaps with Will being asleep and then Emmett being in quote unquote quiet time is really small. And so that window has shortened for me. And I have been having, I was talking to Felicia about this last week. 
I have been having a hard time because I don't get even just like, even if it was just like 20 minutes of just like, okay, like no one is bothering me. No one needs me, needs anything from me for like 20 minutes in the middle of the day. And so I'm just having a hard time navigating that of like, then if he continues to call for me, cause now I did kind of potty train. So he'll be like, mommy, I need to go potty. And I'm like, okay, great. And he's still at the point where it's like, I still am kind of there when he is going to the bathroom. So then it's hard because it's like even during that quiet time, he almost knows how to get out of it. And it's kind of turned into this thing where like it's not quiet time for me because I am actually still kind of attending to him during it. And I know maybe the quick answer is just like don't attend to him. But sometimes like with the potty thing, I feel like I need to. I don't know if you guys have any tips on this of like how you've navigated that. Now you do have multiple kids that don't even nap some of them. I don't know. How do you figure that out? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, I feel like quiet time's like a recurring thing. So we'll also link some episodes that we've done that might for listeners help. Um, but it is tricky when there's not other siblings because I was telling Caitlin right now, like my two that don't nap that are home during that time, they're a little bit older, so they kind of have practice seeing the other ones do this time of the day where we're not going to mom for things. So you're just, mm-hmm. you're at a tricky age and you're at the transition age of just like independence generally with play. So my one piece of advice, I mean, what we talked about where it's your compartment, compartmentalizing connection time, like you're being connected to him and attending to him. And then it's like, now you get this time where it's like only for you. And I get this time where it's only for me. That'll be big. Um, But then also just like really like concretely, what activity can I find that will engross him? For, For Cohen, for my oldest, it was like audiobooks or starting younger. Like we found this stories podcast that it was like uh, taking enough of his attention that he was feeling like, oh, this is really fun. Mom's not more tempting. I have like my little fun time. So maybe for Emmett, that's like Mm -hmm. a specific toy that he only gets out during quiet time. Like these specific train track that's like, I am only playing with this during quiet time. So it's like extra special. Um, Mm -hmm. I know Terrilyn did something with Lydia of like a, a light in her room that would tell her or a timer. Yeah, I got her a really cute little owl timer, her and Savannah. Well, because I just want to add here. So for those listening, if you're unfamiliar with the concept of quiet time, it's one of our, for me, it's like the best parent hack ever. And once you put it in place, I mean, it's not perfect, but wow, it's a sanity saver. And that is when when your baby transitions out of naps, you don't lose that time. You just keep putting them in their room and they learn imagination time. They learn solitude. I mean, there's so many good things for their brain and it teaches them that they can be on their own. And it's so, cause so you just keep that time no matter what. Right. And then there's no, it's just like for them when they first start, it's like, wait, I don't have to sleep. It's like, no, you don't have to sleep. You just have to play by yourself. Right. So that's just a little, if you're unfamiliar with this concept, that's what quiet time is when mm-hmm. we're talking about it. But for me, yeah. And I have to say also, Caitlin, this is also for me, the hardest on my first. Felicia just mentioned Cohen. This is kind of one of those things, again, it's the hardest for your first one. Like it's never even been an issue for my fourth ever. Quiet time's been like the easiest thing for him ever. I mean, he'll interrupt me every once in a while, but it's very rare, very rare. He actually is to the point now, 
None of my other kids could do this. He will sometimes come in the room with me and I don't even care because he's playing so quietly because he knows not to interrupt me. I mean, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, it gets better. There's something about the first though. And I think it's because they're just so used to so much focus, attention, that it's a little harder for them. But Mm -hmm. so for me, yeah, I got my oldest two timers. And so for me, and I really wanted to have time on their own that was, so if we, count solitude time as not input from outward minds. Like I want it to be on their own. They could have toys, but I want it to be inside their own head. So I'd actually set a timer for 30 minutes and after 30 minutes they could play together. But you know what? Now I, I, that sounds like, so I don't even know what I was. I mean, I think it's fine in philosophy, but now it seems so strict. Like what? <laughs> I mean, now there's no timers. There's no nothing. It's just quiet time. And, and you, you can play with each other. You can play by yourself. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I've, I've loosened up a lot and I kind of like where I'm at now better. But I mean, yeah, the only rules for me is yeah, no screens, no electronic stuff. It's just they play on their own. And now all four of my kids, sometimes during, and when we don't even call it quiet time. We actually call it free play now that my kids are older. But still, Sunday afternoons, they get free play. So this on a weekend, we're all together. They get like two hours of free play. And sometimes they're together. Sometimes they go off. Sometimes my daughter's reading in a room. Sometimes they get some crazy game going. And I don't care. Like as long as, again, the whole point is you guys are doing your own thing. I'm doing my own thing. And so, so, but so anyway, just letting you know, it gets a little easier. It gets a lot easier, in fact. But the main tip I have is they go in little phases. So it'll get a little harder and they'll get easier. But the phase for me is, first of all, what Felicia said, 100%. Like find something that maybe is special for for quiet time and that can help. But the other thing Mm -hmm. is you're just being really consistent about you're not going to give him any of that stuff during quiet time at all. So like if he comes and says watch, nope, it's quiet time. Mm -hmm. If you're taking a nap, Honestly, because for me at your at your stage, all I could think of was I just need a nap, right? They mm-hmm. come in, they ask you a question. Literally, my only answer was I'm taking a nap, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was it. And yeah, it was sad because I was getting woken up, but like that's all they got, <laughs> you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm taking a nap. I'm not engaging. I mean, I'm not mean about it, but it's just like I'm I'm not gonna watch. I'm not gonna open that cup for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, you know, like tell you about where the where this is like I'm none of it like you just don't get any of that you know what I mean the only Mm -hmm. tricky thing is with the bathroom I mean he clearly knows that you can't just ignore helping with the bathroom so Mm -hmm. um hopefully my only advice with that is that's usually pretty short so maybe as little as possible oh maybe it could be like when you change a baby's diaper in the night when you have to because you really don't want to you're trying to avoid it at all costs but when you do you do it quietly and in the dark with not very much stimulation. You know what I mean? So maybe it's like that. Uh-huh. Maybe it's like a, if you really need help going to the bathroom, it's again, we're not talking stony silence. Like you're like fuming, right? Of course. Well, I know uh-huh. you, but I'm just saying for our listeners, <laughs> you know what I mean? It isn't like a, it could be just a, you need to go to the bathroom. It's quiet time. So, and and then you don't even talk. Like maybe no, you know, like you're not talking, you're just going in quietly and you're calm and loving still, but just like a, you go to the bathroom, you help him with whatever he needs help. You put it back and you go straight back into quiet time. So to him, it isn't like a, oh, wow, that was like really fun. We just, I can ask her to help me with the bathroom every time during quiet time. So you're just making it as like little stimulation as possible. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean for me, it doesn't mean I'm over there like ignoring, like you're talking and I'm like, I can't hear you. It was more, for me, it's just like, I'm limiting the feedback that they're getting during this whole time. So 
it's not rewarding for them. You know what I mean? Like my kids now know they just don't like just do your own thing. If you have a problem and you like made something into a knot with your little string that you're playing with, figure it out or set it to the side and after quiet time, I'll help you. But like they just now know it's not a time. That's like the one, the one time during the day where it's like, we're doing our own things here. And I think it's really good for them because they learn problem solving. This isn't neglect. This is teaching them problem solving giving them the chance for their own imaginary play. My thing, something that I love so much about my children is that they can with, I mean, we'll be somewhere sometimes and like my five-year-old will be and he'll have like a little rock in his hand and he'll just be like, you know, like you can tell he is in his own world. And I've had people places where they'll be like, how does he do that? And I'm like, because he practices every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. allowing them to know that it's a gift that you're giving them to teach them. And again, all of this stuff is not from a place of frustration or anger or anything like that. It's just, you're just setting a boundary of we all need time to ourselves. And so we're Mm -hmm. just, we're just creating that space and being like, okay about it, you know? So that would be my only tip. Mm -hmm. My main tip is you say words when he says things to you, but you keep them really minimal so that they're not rewarding for him. And he'll just learn, Oh, that's not very rewarding. I think I like playing with my ball a lot better. So I'm going to do that more. Mm -hmm. And I, but it's not a perfect yeah. system. I want to acknowledge, Carolyn, I don't know um, how Lydia was as a toddler, but I have like been here through a little of Savannah's toddler and your boys' toddler ages. And they are, both Parker and Liam, I would say are more, um, what's the right word? like a little more type two personality or a little more like, like I've never seen Parker or Liam like super like get really loud and like kind of like freak out ish. Maybe they do to you, but I haven't seen it, but I, I know that Emmett and my Cohen are, are both type threes, which their like motion is really like big and forward and loud. And like, I remember when trying to teach Cohen quiet time, it was like, if he's happy, he's loud. And if he wants something, he's really like intense and loud. And like, Mm -hmm. I remember this like frustration of like, I'm giving you zero stimulation, but you're really pushing back with like a really like intense or like big energy. And it's riling me up. I'm afraid the baby's going to get woken up. And so you almost feel this desperation moment of like, I feel like I almost have to give in to you because where we're taking this. Because it's, like, yeah. it's a terrorist yeah. situation. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and you probably did experience that. I just don't, I'm not saying that you didn't have that with your boys. I just don't, I haven't, I've seen that with Emmett a little bit. And so the mm-hmm. only thing that helped me was I remember specifically times where I had, and it's hard in the winter, but when, now that it's summer, I had to take him outside and I would just sit on the porch and like read or write in my journal, but he could be thrashing about things and it removed mostly the waking up the baby like scarcity feeling Mm. I would start to feel Mm, I don't know if that's helpful if anyone's having a loud toddler yeah yeah because that is the hard thing is that like he'll be like it's not even like he's like upset but he'll be like mommy like calling to me (laughs) and and he's and his room is next to the baby's room. So then I'm like, well, if the baby wakes up, then my quiet time is over no matter like just because even though the baby's easy, it's like I still am gonna feed him. I'm probably gonna change his diaper. You know, like then it, it just shortens my time of like if I do wanna take a nap, then that's over. I don't know. So 
I think the other thing is too, we do now, we finish our basement, we do have a toy room down there. And so I've started to try to do more of our quiet time down there because then I worry less mm. about like if he's too loud. Because even it's not even like he's like crying, but he's just calling to me loudly or whatever. Or like, you know, banging, banging things, not even destructively, but it's just like being loud. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But I think it's because he knows if he's up in his room, I'll come and be like, hey, like, remember, be kind of quiet. So I think I probably need to take out some of the – the things where it's like, so it's more of a yes space. Like I don't feel like I need to be like, hey, be a little quieter or whatever because then he knows I am going to come in and like be there in some way. I'm sure that hasn't helped. So I think I'm, I am excited that it's warmer outside because then I can hopefully make that more of a space that it's like he can also just yeah. be out there and there's not really any boundaries that I have to set. He can just be, Yeah, you know. Those are really good points. And I think something to remember with all of this is – I mean, it's good. It's all good stuff and it's valuable, but we have all been there. For me, mostly I can picture times where the baby's sleeping and I am so tired and I just, and I just wanted a nap and I can't, you know, I can't take one because whatever and somebody, you know, they're crying or whatever. So it's, there are times where it's just really, you know what I mean? There are times where you're like, this just isn't working today. You know what I mean? And that's okay. This is not like a, I don't want anybody to leave this conversation thinking all three of our children, I mean, all three of us just have like these serene, amazing Zen experiences every afternoon. Cause that's not how it is. It's more just like, we're trying to create a space, keep a space. And I mean, I don't even have them any, like for me in my life right now, Sundays are the only days we even have. But Sundays, Sundays we do. And all my kids are home and they're all still used to doing it. But I mean, it doesn't really apply to us as much anymore, except for there are, there actually are times where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be working on something with Liam home. And I'll be like, Hey, it's free play time for you. And it's work time for me, which is fine. But I just want everybody out there to just give yourself a little bit of grace here of it's, I think it's worth shooting for quiet time, setting that time aside. It's a real sanity saver when it works, but just know that there are frustrating times and there are kids times your kids are loud. And there are times where you just got woken up like three minutes into your nap. That's the worst. It's almost worth not going to sleep at all. Right. But when you have babies and you're waking up in the night, like it's, it's it's like an energy management situation. And so I just want to give you a little empathy that, yeah, sometimes you might have toddlers that are a little loud and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Felicia, because all toddlers are different. And again, quiet time was the hardest with my first. Totally. It was way harder with my first than with all the rest of my kids. So, Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I think this is helpful and it actually does give me a little bit of some direction, some hope with quiet time today. I'm going to practice, you know, I'm going to think about some of this stuff. And yeah, honestly, I think too, I'm excited to be like what we talked about with being more present in the certain situations. Cause then I also wonder if I am, and, and that's not to say, I think just more if I'm being more mindful about being present in those situations, I also can see that even affecting, you know, affecting the quiet time because then he feels like he got the full attention when we were together. Mm-hmm. And th- that's not to say, I think there still will be some of that interruption stuff. I'm not saying that it will completely solve it, but I do think that theme of the being fully present when we choose to be can only help in those situations. So this has all been so helpful. Yes. All right, guys, that was so fun. We we love your listener questions. They're so good. They inspire all of these themes. So keep sending them, leave them in a review, or send send them to us on Instagram at Find the Magic Podcast. All right, let's find the magic.
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you and there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day and I have found that as I've used it it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way so if you'd like a journal just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. <coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> <And> brown cows. <laughs>